0: Welcome to the Two Journeys Podcast. This is episode 17 in the book of John, entitled, Before Abraham Was, I Am, where we discuss John 8, verse 31 through 59. I'm Wes Treadway, and I'm here with Pastor Andy Davis. Andy, as we come to uh, the second half of John 8, what are we going to see in these verses today?
1: Well, we're going to go right down the center of the very purpose for which John wrote his gospel, for which the Holy Spirit gave the world the gospel of John, as we've said again and again, the purpose statement at the end in John uh, chapter 20, um, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so we're going to go right down the center of Jesus claiming to be God when he says, before Abraham was born, I am. And... We're going to talk, I think, also about the, the seething cauldron of unbelief and rebellion, the fact that most people who hear about this claim reject it, and that the Jews right there, the Jewish uh, adversaries to Jesus, rejected it, they're ready to kill him. And so in the midst of that, we see the courage of Jesus to testify to the truth so that we might be saved.
0: Yeah. An incredible statement by jesus before abraham was i am i'm looking Mm -hmm. forward to talking about that here in just a few moments Mm -hmm. so to get us started i'm going to read verses 31 through 59 of john chapter eight so jesus said to the jews who had believed him if you abide in my word you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free they answered him we are offspring of abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone How is it that you say, you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Jesus said to them, "'Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am.' So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple." Andy, our passage opens with Jesus instructing those Jews who had just believed in him. What does it mean to abide in the word or teaching of Jesus, and what is the relationship between the word of Jesus, truth, and freedom?
1: Well, those are great questions, and I think what we get out of this account, and the, the question you asked points right to it, is everything comes down to how we respond to the Word of God. There is such an intimate connection between Jesus and the Word, so much so that John calls him the Word. And so if we hold to the Word of God, if we hold to the Scripture, we're going to hold to Jesus and vice versa. They are inter- intimately connected. And so Jesus said, if you abide in my teaching, if you continue in my teaching, then you really are truly my disciples. Mm. This points to the whole issue of perseverance. We have to realize it's not those who start, but those who finish. Everyone who genuinely starts the Christian life will most certainly finish. But we have to hold to the teaching of Jesus, and we have to continue on. So... Uh, To answer your question the way you asked it, there is a direct correlation, a connection between Jesus' word and the truth. His word is truth, and more than that, he is truth. So everything he speaks is truth. And for us, we need to abide in that, remain in that teaching, to truly be his disciples.
0: Hmm. As we continue on in the passage, uh, in verse 33, the Jews seem to forget their enslavement to the Egyptians, which we read about in the book of Exodus. Yeah. It appears that Jesus is speaking of a much weightier form of slavery here, namely slavery to sin. Mm. What does it mean to be a slave to sin?
1: It's, it's vital. We have to understand this. You know, we, we've talked about this even, even uh, in the sermon uh, that I preached recently mm. uh, about when Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Uh, For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I interpret that word yoke to refer to Jesus' kingly authority. Uh, The metaphor of a yoke in the the Bible always refers to kingly authority, like the yoke of the king of Babylon. So it's interesting. Jesus is talking to people who are weary and burdened. It's interesting. He also, uh, the scripture also says in Isaiah 9, that uh, in the very same passage where it says, "For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace." Before that, it talks about every 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 bar across their shoulder and every and the rod of the oppressor uh, pictures a yoke of slavery that is crushing the people, and because this child is born, because this son is given. Uh, The yoke is broken and thrown off. So Mm. here's what I think. We're putting it all together and really start at at John 8 as the home base. Non-Christians, unbelievers, people who are unregenerate have an invisible yoke of slavery on them. They are in bondage to sin, and they're in bondage in the same chapter to Satan. Satan is the king of those that are enslaved to sin. But they can't see the chains. They can't see the yoke. But they are, as it says in Matthew 9, harassed and helpless. They are crushed by the burdens of sin. And they're enslaved to them. They cannot stop sinning. It's true that they have the freedom to stop certain patterns of sin, but they can't stop sinning. Mm. And so they could move from uh, addiction to alcohol to being sober, but they're not going to stop sinning. Mm. And so fundamentally, they are slaves to sin, and so were we all. And so for us, the gospel is liberation. It's deliverance from that bondage, that inv- those invisible chains, that addiction to sin. That's what Jesus offers.
0: And it's so helpful for us, even as we were speaking about earlier, not thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, apart from Christ, recognizing our helplessness and our need for a Savior. And Jesus seems to zero in on that here okay. as He points out their slavery to sin. Yeah. In verse 38, after revealing that the Jews want to kill him because his word has found no place in them, Jesus says, I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. How do the Jews apparently understand or rather misunderstand Jesus' statement based on what they say next?
1: Well, they answer saying Abraham is our father. We are sons of Abraham. That's what it means to be a Jew. It means a biological descendant of Abraham. and I think that's a fair definition of the Jewish people. Uh, But Jesus is looking beyond that. Just like the slavery statement, he's talking spiritually. He's talking in the invisible spiritual realms. And so when he uses the father language, he really is ultimately pointing to the devil. And he's going to unfold that. Uh, Every single person, therefore, uh, ultimately we would say, every person is either a child of the devil or a child of God. There's no third category. And so we have to understand that, that Satan has an invisible domain. And the, the language of father-son kind of thing, and Jesus is going to pick up on this, it, you you acquire the, the attributes of, you act like, you think like this one. And so he said, you're of your father the devil because you're acting like him. Hmm. And so conversely, when we become children of God, we begin to act like uh, God, created in the image of God, we think like God, and, and as we can as creatures, not, not ultimately in, as God the creator, but as we are in the image of God, we begin to think like Him, talk like Him, act like Him. So that's what this language, but they, they think he's, he's denying their, their biological or genealogical connection to Abraham.
0: Hmm. In this passage, it also seems that everyone involved is obeying or appealing to some higher power or authority. You believe that's the case, and if so, does that mean that those who are not children of God are in fact children of the devil?
1: They are. Um, I think what could we could make a case for? What about um, little children, infants? You know, um, in some sense, I, we we believe scripturally that people are born into uh, sin in Adam, but they, as Paul says in Romans five, they don't sin like their father Abraham or or Adam did. Uh, by violating a clear command from God because they don't understand commands from God, mm. so you know I think we want to say that, but aside from that, once people have understood right and wrong, the conscience is awakened, they understand the moral law in whatever way they do, then they sin, and once they sin, they become at that point children of the devil and so yes, once you've reached that point you 're either a child of of the devil or a child of God.
0: Mm. How does the Jews' response to the promised victory over death in verse 51 betray their continued misunderstanding of Jesus' identity?
1: Yeah, Jesus makes an incredible assertion here in verse 51. If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death or experience death. And, you know, it's it's hard to fully understand that. I think the statement he makes to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Hmm. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Jesus is not saying that Christians will not experience death; they will not die. That if you die, you're not a Christian. That's a false teaching. And actually, there there's indications in some of the epistles that some people thought that if you died, you were lost. What a terrible funeral that would be! You know, at that point, that that you uh, you were lost for all eternity. That's not what he's saying. I think we could say that there is a an experience of death that Jesus will deliver you from, maybe even at the moment of death, there's almost like this monster about to to draw you in and you're delivered from it, could simply refer to hell, could refer to the second death, the real death is is the second death. And then John talks about this in the book of Revelation, that's being condemned to hell. And if you believe in him, you will never really die. Mm -hmm. And so I would combine it with the statement to Martha that even if you die, you'll live. And so, as Paul said, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. So you're not going to experience you'll experience physical death,
0: separation of the soul from the body, but you'll not really experience death, which is separation of the soul from God.: Well, Andy, I want to go to the end of the passage and then circle back and cover some of what we uh, have had to pass over here, but is really helpful for us as we think about how the Jews, react to Jesus and his ministry and his Mm -hmm. message. But first, before we do that, verse 58 seems to be the pinnacle of this passage, right? As Jesus makes that statement that we talked about, uh, that I am statement, which there's Mm -hmm. a lot of those in the book of John. This is another one. What is the significance of this particular statement? And how does this affect our understanding of who Jesus is?
1: Yeah, all right. So we're zeroing in on the person of Abraham. Abraham is the father of the Jewish nation. And so Jesus is going back and forth. They're claiming to be children of Abraham. Jesus said, look, if Abraham were your father, you'd act like him. He is our father in faith. Paul talks about in Romans, we're supposed to follow in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had, Mm -hmm. supposed to act like him. If you really were sons of Abraham, you would act like he did. Um, He would not be treating me the way you are. So you can't be sons of Abraham. So they keep circling back to Abraham. And Jesus is trying to say, you need to understand that Abraham rejoiced in seeing my day or at the thought of seeing my day or as he saw my day. He saw it and was glad. What an incredible assertion. So Abraham delighted in me and you hate me and want to kill me. So you're like your father, the devil. He wants to kill me. Abraham, who you claim to be your father, delighted in me. He actually did. He delighted in me. Now, this is a very important uh, assertion Jesus is making we believe the Old Testament saints were saved the exact same way that we are as New Testament saints and that is by believing in Christ now for them they were believing in a Christ who would come later they were looking ahead with eyes of faith based on the promises of God and God had began, begun dropping promises from the Garden of Eden so there were numbers of promises and there were certain revelations we don't fully understand them all But there was a sense in which God, Almighty God, revealed himself to Abraham and revealed the Son to Abraham. There was an aspect of which. And so Jesus is saying, Abraham understood my day was coming, he thought about my day coming, and he rejoiced in it. And so Jesus is zeroing in on the joy. Abraham rejoiced in me. But you want to kill me, so you're disconnected from Abraham. That's Jesus' argument. But they're hearing him literally, and they're like, Everybody dies. Abraham died and look at you. You're not even 50 years old and you're claiming that you have seen Abraham. So what Jesus means is that the Holy Spirit revealed in some sense the coming of Christ. We have the same language in Hebrews 11 where Moses himself could see Christ as seeing him who is invisible. He could see the Christ who was to come. And so now we must zero in on the encounter that Moses had in the flames of the burning bush. Uh, Moses was tending his father-in-law Jethro's sheep, he saw a burning bush, it was mysterious, he was attracted to it, and then he hears a voice coming from the bush, Hmm. do not come any closer. Take your sandals off of the ground on which you're standing is holy. And he has an encounter with God in the burning bush. But the account that Moses later wrote, he said it was the angel of the Lord who appeared to him in the bush. The angel of the Lord, I think, represents the pre-incarnate Christ. Mm. But Moses took it as God. God was speaking to him and that God was sending him to Pharaoh and saying, let my people go. And at one point, Moses says, what is your name? What shall I tell them is your name? When they will ask me, what is the name? And he said, tell them I am who I am. And then he simplifies even more. Tell him I am sent you. So I am is God's name. And we know that the Lord, all caps, L-O-R-D, represents what's known as the four letters, tetragrammaton is what the technical term is, Uh, Y-H-V-H, sometimes J-H-V-H, like in the K-J-V, Jehovah or Yahweh, that's God's name. But it's tied to the Hebrew for I am. That's the name of Almighty God. Now it was the angel of the Lord that spoke it, but Jesus here, in saying this, when he says before Abraham was born, keep in mind, Abraham was as, as far back from them as Jesus is for us, 2,000 years. Okay. Before Abraham was even born, not I was or I have been, I am. It's just simple Greek, ego, Amy. I am. So it breaks grammar, but it tells the truth theologically. Wow. Before Abraham was born, I am. I am and I always am. He's claiming to be God. There's no doubt about it. And they know it too. And they pick up stones to stone him.
0: Yeah, And it's amazing, especially what led up to this statement. Mm-hmm. It's almost like further and further clarification by Jesus as to who he is. He begins by telling them he's the light of the world. And then we see here this continued revelation of who he is finally culminating in this yeah. clear, clear statement.
1: Yeah, and he's gonna do the same thing in Mark's gospel at his trial tell us if you are the Christ the son of God and he answers simply I am and then he quotes Daniel before he said in the future you'll see the son of man coming at the right sitting at the right hand of the mighty one coming on the clouds of heaven so i mean it's everything you need he's claiming to be god and he's going to come and he is the son of man so he's human it's incredible so here's what really strikes me is the courage of Jesus here. Mm. Jesus, it says in John 2, knows all men. He knows what's in man. Many uh, passages in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, show that Jesus knew, that, knew what people were thinking and said such and such to them. He knew they were hating him. He says it in this text. Mm-hmm. They're seething with rage. They're seething with murder. They want to kill him. And he says to them, before Abraham was born, I am. It's not like he didn't. he misread them. It's like, I know you folks are really enjoying this conversation. Let me, let me put the, the finishing touches on it so you understand how wonderful it is that you're talking to me. He knew exactly where they were at, and yet he said it. And, and the reason why, he wasn't really talking to them. They're of their father, the devil, hmm. who's talking to us. And the Holy Spirit, through John, wrote it down so that we could believe in him and have eternal life.
0: So as we think about our own response and how we even share who Jesus is right his identity that's vital for people to understand if they're going to believe in him and be saved and we look at the jews response and their claims that uh, they're not born of sexual immorality it mm-hmm. seems like they're implying that maybe he is or or even later when they say you're a samaritan and you have a demon i think we face this opposition and people that are really just opposed to the person and work of jesus mm-hmm. how does this passage give us hope and help as we consider answering those questions that we face today.
1: Thank you, it it definitely, I think it clarifies our message. The deity of Christ must be at the center of our message. Hmm. Uh, Also because of his regular title for himself in the book of Daniel, the humanity of Christ, he is the son of man as well. The full humanity and the full deity of Christ is at the center, we have to proclaim Christ as God. That's what makes us Christians, we worship Christ as God. But I prefer the term God the son, the son of God is fine, God the Son also is fine, that he is the second person in the Trinity. We have to proclaim that. We also have to do it boldly. We have to imitate Jesus' boldness, not shrink back from telling people what they must believe. This is not optional. We saw this earlier in this chapter. John 8, 24, I told you that you would die in your sins for if you do not believe that I am, that's what the Greek says, you will die in your sins. You have to believe in the deity of Christ. So it gives us boldness, it gives us courage. This is the good confession he made before Pilate namely his, his, his deity, his, who, who he really was, and so we must do the same. This is the boldness of Christ. And this is the message for us. One more thing, it also shows how the infinite person of Jesus will keep us filled with awe and wonder for all eternity. Hmm. You know, any other person at some point we're going to run out of new things to talk about, but Jesus will never run out.
0: Wow, what an encouraging thought, thinking about the person of Jesus, his identity and who he's uh, claiming to be here and who he is. Uh, any final thoughts on this passage uh, before we close our time together?
1: Well I just I, I look forward to that heavenly joy of seeing Jesus as the perfect radiance of God's glory mm. to look at him and see in him God the Son, the perfection of deity and spend eternity worshiping that. I don't think we can spend our, our the rest of our day better than contemplating that.
0: Well, thanks so much. This has been episode 17 in the book of John. Please join us next time for episode 18, entitled The Man Born Blind, where we'll discuss John chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. Thank you for listening to the Two Journeys podcast, and may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Thank you for listening to this resource from twojourneys.org. Feel free to use and share this content to spread the knowledge
1: of God and build his kingdom. Only we ask that you do so for non commercial purposes